Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 64, entitled, Opportunities. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, making our way through all the way to the 64th uh, Bible study. So if this is your first time with us, you might want to back up. In fact, I would recommend, because it's good teaching in there, not because I'm the one doing it, but because we are teaching the Scriptures and uh, all the Word of God for all the people of God, right? So we need to understand what God is saying to us. And these words are God-breathed. In other words, every word that you that comes out of your mouth, you breathe it. So if God breathed these words, then they're from Him. So we need to hear them. We need to definitely hear them. So 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 9. We're going to start here in a second, but let's first start with prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to uh, be in a relationship with you. Thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you for taking us through this past year and that we're here in a new year, God, and we ask that you would, you would bless this study. Uh, we've been going now for a couple of years now, and we just ask God you continue to bless it and you continue to use it in, in people's lives and focus it and direct it, God, as you desire. Thank you, God, for the privilege we have to study your word, to serve you, uh, shape us, mold us. In the direction you want us to go, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Familiar with the name uh, Herman Rorschach? Rorschach? I can say his name. Herman Rorschach? You can get extra credit if you know who that is. Um, I only know who that is because I studied, studied ahead of time than you. You may not know who he is by name, but you may recognize what he invented or the idea that he uh, presented, which was called the ink block test. Uh, you take certain ink blots and you put it in front of just ink randomly put on a piece of paper fold it over open it back up and ask people what they see and based upon what they see they would do some kind of sackle analyzation so here's some ink blots for you what do you see you see it it's right down here see that what do you see it's supposed to tell you what's on the inside of you when we uh, if it's analyzed correctly here's another one what do you see he looks like some kind of, I don't know, angry bunny or something there. Uh, not really sure. I, I do know this, though. What, what you see in life, I should say, is a test of what's on the inside of you. Because what's on the inside of you comes out based upon, you know, what, what do you see what's going on here? Do you see something that's good? Do you see something that's bad? Uh, what do you see? I'm going to take that one off the screen for us here. Uh, we looked last time we were together, which is two weeks ago, here in 1 Corinthians 16, we looked last time at stewardship of our finances, but this time we're looking at the stewardship of our opportunities, uh, making the most of them, being wise with them, because there's only a certain number of those. We only get one shot at this, and uh, life, that is. And so we need to make the most of it. Here's the encouragement we have from Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live. That's a great uh, New Year's resolution. Not as unwise, but as wise. That'd be great for us, wouldn't it? 2023? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There it is. Every opportunity. We're going to be considering the topic of opportunity today and considering what Paul has to say. That's our focus here. We're looking at how he handled opportunity and what he saw as opportunity, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. But I shall come to you after I go through Macedonia... For I'm going through Macedonia, he says, and perhaps I shall stay with you or even spend the, the winter, uh, he's again talking to the Corinthian church, so he's talking about going through northern Greece and then down into southern Greece, which is where Corinth is. Uh, 
Perhaps I shall stay with you even spend the winter that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now uh, just in passing. I don't want to just come through there. I want to spend some time with you all. For I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits, but I shall remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he's, wherever he, he's in Ephesus from, from wherever he is right now. He's going to stay there through the, through the first part of the summer for sure. For notice verse 9, a wide door for effective service, that's an opportunity, has opened to me, he says, and there are many adversaries. That seems contradictory, doesn't it? A wide door of opportunity, so you, you're, you're going to be blessed, but there's so many things standing in your way? Hmm, is that the way you see things? Paul certainly didn't seem to be bothered by adversaries, did he, or obstacles in his way. It certainly wasn't going to stop him at all. Paul recognized the great opportunity that was in front of him. In fact, if, if you uh, recall our study of Acts several years ago, we were looking at Acts chapter 19 and all the things that he did there. Here's the conclusion of the matter there as he stayed in Ephesus. Notice that Paul took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. They rented a place. And this went on for two years. Paul didn't stay two years, almost anywhere. But he did here because there was such an effective door of opportunity for him here. Just like he tells that he's, he's, he's telling the Corinthian church what we see the result of here in, in Acts. So this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, so not just Ephesus, says, I'm staying in Ephesus because there's a great opportunity. He believes God's called him. He has a vision from God about what's going to happen there, and uh, he knows he's got to stay there, even though there, are, there is a lot of opposition, there's a lot of adversaries. So, so, so he does that, and, and, and as a result, not just Ephesus, but the whole region hears the truth. What? What a great opportunity that was. But this didn't just fall into his lap. I mean, he had to endure a lot of problems. Notice it says there, great door of effectual work is open, and there are many adversaries. So it didn't just, wasn't just a breeze. He had to work at it. Uh, he had a lot against him. And so much to learn for us when we consider uh, the obstacles that are in our path. Uh, do you see obstacles as no opportunity? or as greater opportunity. Paul certainly saw it the, the second way. So here's some other ink blots uh, for you uh, in, in word form. Here's ink blots. How about the ink blot of difficulty? Tell me what you see. Trial, hardship, sleeplessness, opposition, loneliness. What do you see in those things? Do, do you see, first of all, do you, do you see opportunity and blessing? Or do you see a closed door and a no trespassing sign? See, Paul faced all those things, yet he saw opportunity. He saw a blessing. You know, the difference between a pessimist and an optimist is that a pessimist sees problems in every opportunity, whereas an optimist sees opportunities in every problem. Which are you? See, what you see tells you what's on the inside of you. Tells you where your faith is, honestly. What constitutes an opportunity, and as Paul calls it, an open door for you? Does it, have, does it mean it has to be without resistance, uh, uh, no opponents, uh, ease, uh, all the money up front? Is that what it takes for it to be an opportunity for you? Many, many times, many of us have the idea that the path of least resistance is the Lord's path, the Lord's will. And uh, we get that through 
some charlatans that lie to us on television as preachers that tell us God's way is always the way of blessing. It's just simply not true. God's way is the way of lots of money and lots of health and lack of opposition, and that just simply isn't true. The whole God wants us to live our lives, our lives to be easy and trouble-free is a lie. It really is. And I, I, I challenge you in any of these so-called preachers to search the Scriptures and find even one instance where the direction of God for a person was trouble-free. I, you won't be able, I'll save you the trouble. You won't be able to find it. Because it's not there. Following the will of God, the vision of God, the call of God is always met with adversity. Consider examples. Abraham left his family, left his inheritance, traveled to a place that he had never been before, was promised the whole land and yet never owned any of it his entire life with the exception of a cemetery to bury his wife Sarah in and has to wait until he's 100 years old to receive an heir that was going to be inheriting all of this that he never owned himself. I, I don't know if you see that as the road to blessing. I mean, was he blessed? Yes, absolutely. But, but man, there's a lot of trial in that. There's a lot of strife in that and difficulty in that. Or, or Joseph, who, after receiving a vision of great things from God, spent the next 15 years of his life as either a slave or a prisoner. Not that God's will didn't work out. There was lots of trouble. Between, between the vision that he saw and the fulfillment of that vision, there was trouble in between. But it was worth enduring. Or, or another example, Moses and Aaron, who had come to set the Israelites free based upon God's command to them, go and tell Pharaoh, set my people free, right? And what does Pharaoh do as soon as they give him the message? He makes it harder on the Israelites. It doesn't get better for them. It gets worse. So where's this God's will always leads us in the direction of ease and prosperity? I, I don't find that in the Scriptures. Not only does it not say that, there's no example of that anywhere. Stop listening to these yahoos. They're not telling you the truth. Start listening and let's be people of the Scriptures because it is not just telling us the truth, it is the truth. So, so they lead them out of, Israel, I mean, out of Egypt after after this difficulty, and where do they go? Straight from there to the, to the Red Sea, seemingly to be de destroyed, backed up against the Red Sea by the most powerful army in the world, Pharaoh's army, but it, of course, that was a great trial. And then they cross the Red Sea through this great victory, only go into a trackless wilderness, and you know, two and a half, three million people, where there is no food and no water. But it was the will of God. It was a call of God. It was the direction of God, but notice the will of God, call of God, direction of God didn't also carry with it no adversity, no trouble, no trial, no such thing. And then another example, just because we could go through every single person in the Bible and we're going to find the same thing in one way or another. David, man after God's own heart, right? Who from the point of being anointed by Samuel fought battle after battle after battle, even had to endure the ridicule of his own family and had to run for his life for the next eight or ten years from a demon-possessed king by the name of Saul. All the while, going in the direction that God had him go 
and the call that God had on his life. So how did God's call end in ease and no problems and no troubles? There's just no such thing. There's no such thing. So we should expect, if we're going to follow God's call in our lives, we should expect trouble. What constitutes, back to our original topic, an open door, an opportunity? It, it can't be uh, the direction that is the easiest to go. It can't be the direction that's the funnest, or the, if that's a word, that's the uh, 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 most trouble-free. It can't be those things. Again, we, we learn from the examples we see in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that God gives a vision or direction to a person. And between that directive from God and the fulfillment of that directive, God's will being fulfilled, there's trouble. There's adversity. There's trials, as Paul says, there are many adversaries, even though there is an open door. We're gonna, it's going to be a fight to get through that door. There is. God gives us a vision to serve Him, a call or a motivation, and what we can do for His kingdom or purposes. And it may only come over us once. And so, hear me, you need to write it down. If God moves in your heart. You need to write it down. Because there's going to be a lot of things that come up in your way that make you think, this isn't what God wants. God speaks to you clearly, moves in your life, a call, a vision, a, a, a direction that he has for you, write it down. You need to hold on to that vision, and I would say this, hold on to it in the macro and not the micro, because a lot of times what we do is we, God gives us a large vision, but in between the lines, we like to write in how we think it's going to turn out, and, and I will say this, God is obligated to his vision or call. God is obligated because God tells the truth. But he's not obligated to our interpretation of that vision or call. Be very careful. Hold it in the macro and not in the micro. A lot of that micro stuff is the stuff that we write in there. And it's not from him. It's from us. Uh, well, here's always the operative verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The stuff that you wrote in between the lines, he's not obligated to keep. You don't know what's happening. He does. So, so he makes the call, he gives the vision, and then he works that out according to his desires, and you and I are kind of along for the ride. But a part of our ride is we agree with him. God, you're going to do this. We believe you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. God will confirm and further define our vision as time passes, but this vision is partly dependent upon us because we have to want it. Do you want it? Do you really want to do what God has called you to do? Do you really want to fulfill the purpose that God has for you? You've got one shot at this. You've got one string of opportunities called your life. Now, do you want to miss those opportunities or do you want to capitalize on those opportunities? Again, what is our, uh, what did I suggest, our, our New Year's resolution? Uh, making the most of our time, right? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We've been intended, we've been sent here to send, swim against that stream. Are you willing to do that? So once we have a vision or a call or a clear leading from God, we need, we really need nothing else. I don't need a call from God plus everybody else's approval. I'll go and set my call of God that he's put in my heart, the direction he's given to me, and look for everybody else to say, oh, that's a good idea, Bill, that's great, let's do that. That's, that's good. That's probably what God has for you. That's not them that determine what God's call is for me. It's God that determines that. And whether people agree with me or not, it's what I have to do. 
It's what I have to do. I don't need God's call plus anything else, plus money to get it done. Plus, it's nice, but God take care of that. Plus, everything working out the way I planned it to be. No. Sometimes all we need for confirmation is just simply God's told me to do this, even though everything to begin with may be in opposition to it. You need to know God's voice. We have to be settled with knowing what it is that God has for us and nothing else needs to go our way. It really doesn't. It's, it's not that we ignore the problems. Uh, we, we need to count the cost. But we cannot make our decisions based upon those costs. We have to make our decisions based upon what is God's will. What is God's will? I'm walking with Him, talking with Him, listening to Him. I'm involved in Scripture. I'm involved in prayer. I'm involved in the leadership of His Holy Spirit. And as He leads me, I take hold of that. I don't have to hear from anybody else. It's always nice to have people with us, but sometimes you don't have that. I don't have to have all the money up front. I don't have to have all the answers. I have to have it all worked out, but I've got to step in the direction that God has called me to go. Not talk about it and then not do something. Talk and do. For Paul, for Paul, his decisions were strictly vision and call-based. What do I mean by that? Wide door of opportunity is open for me, and there are many adversaries. Notice he's driven by his call. He's driven by the vision. I'm here because God has called me here. I'm not here because everything's going to go well for me here. I'm not here because everything's going to go great, because I'm going to feel good uh, in the process. No, I'm here because God has called me. Uh, the opposite is to say, well, there are many adversaries, so there must not be an open door. That is not being call-driven. That's being, I don't know, worldly-driven. Certainly not being driven by vision or call. When I'm here by vision or call, it doesn't matter what happens to me here. What matters is that I fulfill God's call upon my life. So do you know what God's call for your life is? You need to know that answer. Go to him and ask. I don't have that for you. God's got it. He does. And when there are open doors, we should expect there to be adversity. True for Paul, true for us. I mean, if we're determined to follow the Lord in his work, we should expect to meet the Lord's enemy in that work. See, we're not in heaven. We're on earth, which is the domain of the devil. So we got the world, the flesh, and the devil fighting us here. We should expect adversity. So, so to do the Lord's will, which is opposite of the way things are flowing, we should expect a lot of things to be flowing against us. That should, we should expect that. In fact, if anything, that should be the confirmation, to, to a certain degree, that I'm going in the right direction. I got adversity. It seems to be the way Paul was thinking. Watch, watch, watch what a life that honors God looks like. Here's Paul's testimony to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, he says to Timothy, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. So those are all great things. And then persecutions, not so great. Afflictions, which happened to me in several cities, Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Because why? Because he has a call on his life. He's following a call. He's not following the direction of ease. He's following the direction of a call. Different things. Yes, all, he affirms this for all of us too. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Is that your desire? I hope it is. To live a godly life in Christ Jesus. 
be what God wants you to be, where God wants you to be, how God wants you to be, regardless of finances, regardless of ease, regardless of how it works out, regardless of what people think of you, then what's going to happen is you're going to face problems in that, persecutions in that, difficulties and afflictions, as Paul did. We should expect that. He predicts that for us and tells us that uh, by the Word of God. So, so we step through an open door, as Paul says here. But we don't step through with our eyes shut. We have our eyes open. I mean, we count the cost. But those costs don't determine what we do. The call determines what we do. The vision determines what we do. So, so on the front line, we should expect to get shot at. Of course that's going to happen up here. This is a battle. Of course it is. So we want to follow the Lord, do you? Do you? If we want to do that, we need to be prepared to meet a great enemy in that. There can be no opportunity from the Lord without also adversity from the other side of it. The fields are widened to harvest, right? But you're going to have, um, what's the word, uh, uh, company in those fields that you don't want. Opposition in those white fields of harvest, there's going to be there. There's going to be, if I'm, you know, a literal field, if I'm harvesting a literal field, it's not, I shouldn't expect the sun not to be hot. I shouldn't expect not to get thirsty, not to get hungry, not to get tired, not to, not to get wiped out, I mean, not, to, not for it to be hard work, right? So, so yeah, the fields are wide in harvest. It's going to take hard work, sacrifice, to accomplish what God has called us to do. One more thing you learn about open doors slash God's call is that they are always worth the trouble. The end, the end justifies all the trouble that we go through. The end justifies the call because the call says, this is what I'm going to do if you will obey me in your life. And our job is to say yes. And our job every day is to say yes and continue to follow that. Continue to follow and not let adversity or trouble or, or resistance stop us. Don't do that. It sure, it sure was true for Paul. He endured a whole lot. And most of Paul's life and ministry was a fight, but it's a fight that resulted in great victory. Great, great victory. Someone has said that ministry and serving the Lord is 90% depression and 10% exhilaration. And I maybe say 95% depression. 5% exhilaration. But that 5%... That payoff is tremendous. And, and, and that's just in this life. In, in the next life, it'll be 100% payoff. You'll be so glad that you did. Or if you don't, so regretful that you didn't. choice is yours. I want to conclude with a story I read uh, quite a while back, but it's of uh, an actual person, uh, a missionary by the name of John Payton, who had a call of God in his life. He was a university student in Scotland and felt God's call to go to the New Hebrides, which is southwest Pacific Ocean. And at the time, it was uh, inhabited by cannibals. And he felt God calling him to go there and share the gospel with these people who were dying and going to hell without the gospel. So, so he graduated from college, uh, married his uh, girlfriend, bride, uh, and uh, they moved to New Hebrides. Uh, while they lived there, she, she had a baby, but both she and the baby got sick and passed away 
while they were serving as missionaries there. And he tells the story of having to sleep on top of the graves of his wife and young son so that the villagers wouldn't dig them up and eat them. Wow. That's some trouble, isn't it? So he's pursuing, let's get this straight, the call of God on his life, and look at what he's having to face. Well, he stays there for a total of four years, and as far as he knew, not one single convert, not one person who, as far as he could tell, accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Returns back to England, back to Scotland, and remarries, and has a family, continues in ministry and different things that God's called him to do. And one of his sons of that uh, second marriage uh, grows up and feels the call of God back to New Hebrides. In fact, not only that, he goes back to the same place where his uh, mom and the that and I mean his dad and his dad's first wife had had served for for four years. He went there, and but this time it was very different. Went there and served, and almost the island he was on almost the entire island accepted Christ. A savior. And the now elderly or much elder, uh, John Payton uh, Sr. returned back to New Hebrides just to check on his son and ministry there and to see the things that God was doing uh, in his life and met the chief of the tribe who had been there, was still alive, when he was there when the whole place was full of cannibals. And that chief in com- was now a Christian. In conversation with him, he says, who who, he were, they were talking about the things that happened there and the fact that his wife and child had died and all that. And, and uh, who, he said, who were all those men with you? This army of men. The chief was talking about this army of men. He says, I had no army of men with me. It was myself and my wife and my little son and two of the three of us passed away and I stayed on for the remainder of that time and there was no one else. He says, oh no, there was an army there. He says, several times we got up in the night to come and kill you or take what was yours, and these men would stop us. And they were fearsome looking, he said. He said, that was the first time we realized there was something really powerful there. And uh, trying to figure out what that was, he said, the only thing I could figure out is it had to be angels of God. It had to be angels. And it was the first step that these cannibals took in the direction of there must be something more powerful than our gods that we serve now what a story is that so so the call of god is faced with many trials but 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 the result is worth all those trials god has a call for you he's got a purpose for you you need to know what that is and you need to do it don't let anything stop you don't let anyone or anything stand in your way. What the call God has for you, God is obligated to keep that. And you're obligated, or you should be obligated, to honor that. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you allow us to be a part of what you do. You allow us, God, imperfect people, don't know a lot, given to many problems and issues, And yet you call us into relationship with you, and then you call us to be your hands and feet and to serve you. God, help us to be faithful. Not not to look for the accolades or the successes, but just simply to know if I'm doing what God's called me to do, I'm a success. And the success of this is going to be determined by God 
and not by me, not by any measure that I have. Help us to be faithful to you, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.